Hello everybody and welcome to the first edition of the Twin Cities Baseball Podcast where we talk Minnesota Twins all day long. Now I hope you guys are having a wonderful Sunday. I know I am. The Twins are about to start. It's nice and sunny outside. Beautiful day here in my apartment in downtown. Uh... And uh, to get things started off, I really want to talk about something that started earlier on in this week. On opening day, or what was officially opening day for lots of teams in baseball. Not for the Twins, because they had to postpone their game. But on this opening day for baseball on April 7th, the Twins started off the season with a bang. The same way they started off the preseason with a bang. And no, I'm not talking about any games or anything of the sort, I'm talking about a big trade that went down. Taylor Rogers, the all-star left-handed closer who has been a staple in the bullpen for the Minnesota Twins for the last six or seven seasons now, was sent along with Brent Rooker, the 27-year-old outfielder, to the San Diego Padres for Chris Paddock, the starting pitcher, who you may have heard of, the guy who came in on the cowboy hats for the San Diego Padres during his rookie season in 2019, and Emilio Pagan, the funky right-handed reliever who gives up a lot of home runs but also strikes out a lot of guys. So now, looking at this trade, I was a, I was a little surprised to see it go down, to be completely honest with you. I did not expect the Twins to give up their best reliever. I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that Taylor Rogers has done over the last few seasons, uh, some people outlined it on an article. Uh, the Twins reporter, the beat reporter, Park, outlined it. And uh, also the Padres beat reporter did as well. How well Taylor Rogers has done over the last three seasons in particular for the Minnesota Twins. When you look up on StatCast numbers, you look at advanced metrics, you see his expected ERA was somewhere below a three for three straight seasons. And his ERA, just his general ERA, was right around three most of the time. He also he struck out last year over 13 guys per nine innings. He walked less than two. He's never given up more than a home run per nine innings in any season. I mean, this guy... If you've watched him pitch, you know what I'm talking about. He is funky, he's deceptive, and he gets guys out. And he's always gotten lefties out, but he's really learned how to do it to righties as well. And, I mean, it's hard to say that anybody else would have been better suited for the closer role at the back end of the Twins' bullpen. But the Padres were willing to give up quite a bit for him. Now... There are some other things that are being worked out within this trade. I believe the Twins may have sent $6.6 million to the Padres to help offset that Taylor Rogers salary. And the Twins will be getting a player to be named later. Which player? Not sure yet, but hopefully it's a good one. Probably not Mackenzie Gore, but that would be nice. But uh, what I see with the Twins doing here is, one, the Twins aren't... This shows a couple things. One, the Twins aren't comfortable with their starting pitching depth. And you look at it, they really shouldn't be. I mean, besides Sonny Gray, 
they don't have a single guy on their roster who has pitched over 100 innings in the major leagues that you look at right now and you go, hey, he could be a solid starter. I mean, Bailey Ober was solid last year, right? Didn't pitch 100 innings. Joe Ryan had four or five starts last year. I know he got the opening day start, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And I think he's going to be a pretty darn good player. It's just he hasn't had the experience yet. It's hard to hard to really say that somebody who hasn't had that level of experience is definitely going to have that uh, a good amount of success at this level, especially in their first season. And then on top of that, you have uh, Dylan Bundy, who last year I believe had an ERA over six, or no, twenty twenty I believe he had a no, it was last year he had an ERA over six before he. Uh, he got out because of a major injury. And Chris Archer, I mean, Chris Archer hasn't been himself since like 2016, 2017. So when you look at the Minnesota Twins, I mean, you really have one pitcher that you're really comfortable with every five days. And the other four, you're not as comfortable with them. So adding a guy like Chris Paddock, who's had some experience at the major league level, who has a lot of stuff even though the last two seasons, his seasons haven't been as successful, he has demonstrated he can be successful in this league. He's only 26 years old, three more years of control, and he's got stuff he can't teach. He's got pinpoint command. He's 6'5". He's got a dog mentality when he's on the mound. He's got a 96-mile-an-hour fastball of just absolutely disappearing changeup and a great curveball. I mean, really the things that it seems need to be taught to this guy, this Chris Paddock, is that he needs to change when the league changes. And and here's what I mean by that. Chris Paddock in his first season, if you look at the metrics, if you look at the numbers, the pitch percentages, how much he threw every pitch, threw like somewhere around 60% fastballs, and the rest was off-speed, mainly change-ups with a, with a small percentage that were curveballs. Guys started dialing in on that later in the 2019 season and then into the 2020 and 2021 season, they dialed into it even further. And that's why when you look at his numbers, you might say, well, if we get 2019 Chris Paddock, that would be nice, but the rest of them, not so much. And it's because the batters started figuring him out. Like they, like they do any pitcher, right? When they get called up. I mean, really, only the elite brand pitchers don't ever get figured out. And even they usually have to make adjustments so that they can be the best versions of themselves, right? It's rare that you see a pitcher pitch with the exact same percentages of pitches over the first three years of his, his career. And that is exactly what Chris Paddock has done. And batters have figured out. Lay off the changeup, lay off the curveball, look for his heater. Because his heater's hard, his heater's good, but it's hittable. It's his only really hittable pitch. And instead of changing, try, you know, he, he kind of went with the Einstein uh, saying of the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And he's kind of demonstrating that right now. I mean, you do the same thing over and over again, season after season. Even after the batters have shown they figured you out, you cannot be successful in the major leagues. And I think the Twins are going to really help him out with that because the Twins, as we know, are really into the advanced metrics. I think it's hurt some players. I think some players could lay off those metrics, particularly Max Kepler. We'll talk about that in another episode. But, excuse me. 
But that's what I see with Chris Paddock. When we go to Emilio Pagan, now this guy was very successful for the Rays about three years ago. Same thing, 2019, great season, just like Chris Paddock. Last two seasons, not so great. And part of that comes with the hard hits that he gives up. Now, Emilio Pagan is an interesting reliever because he gets a lot of strikeouts, his walk rate is solid, but his home run rate is absolutely ludicrous. I believe it was over two at one point last year. And it was over at one, it was it has been over one and a half home runs per nine innings over the last two years. That's the lowest it's been, by the way, is one and a half. So an interesting player who, if he can limit the home runs, that's really the only detriment to him. Because he's got great stuff. He can pitch to lefties and righties. And we've seen him, at least with the Rays, this guy could pitch in multiple types of innings. He's not purely a closer type, not purely a setup guy type. He can come in in the fifth. He can come in in the eighth, the seventh, the ninth, whenever you need him. And he can be effective. And that year, when he played for the Rays in 2019, was the year where he put down some really good numbers, right? But he also had low home run output compared to his previous seasons and the seasons that would follow. And if he can follow that, if he can do that same thing, he's going to really help soften the blow of the Rodgers thing, of the Rodgers deal. The other thing that this means for the Minnesota Twins is that they are really confident in the arms that are coming up and in the arms in their bullpen. And you can see that because when you trade your best reliever, after you've acquired or you've called up a lot of young guys, right? I mean, talk about the young guys they've called up. I mean, Alcala has been up in the year, league a, a couple years, but he's always had high potential. They always have high expectations for him. And then on top of that, you go on and you move to, uh, excuse me, Joan Duran, who we will talk about more later, who is electric, has closer profile type stuff, even though I, I would personally like him to be a starter. Josh Winder. He's been called up. He's up in that long reliever role they're expecting. Giovanni Moran, he's, I believe he's in AAA, but he's expected to, to uh, be called up every once in a while, kind of rotate in with, with guys like John Romero, who's also a younger guy who's, who's been uh, called up. I mean, this shows that they have a lot of confidence in the guys who are in their bullpen and the young guys they're calling up. And they think that those guys can fill the void that Taylor Rogers is going to leave behind. And we know he's going to leave a, a void behind because he has been consistently very good for the Minnesota Twins. But this is a really good sign. It, it also shows that the young guys that they have that are coming up in the system, Simeon Woods Richardson, who's in double A, Belazovic, who's in double or triple double or triple A, uh, Cole Sands, who's in triple A, who had a great start the other night. These kinds of guys. They have a lot of trust that these guys will be ready at some point in time in the next couple of seasons to be called up and at least be used as relievers and be effective out of that role. Because if you don't have any kind of depth in the bullpen, you're not trading the one guy who can, who can solve those problems in the back end. Especially after last year when the Twins blew a lot of saves, especially with Alex Colomay in the back end there, trying to you know come in there and, and save some opportunities for them, especially at the beginning of the season. So this shows they have a lot of confidence in those guys. The final thing is, is that it really, it indicates that they really didn't think that they had a slot in for a, for a guy like Brent Rooker, which I, I can't argue with. Now, I, I like the guy a lot. I loved it when, when the Twins drafted him. 
And he had an insane year at AAA. But here's the thing, right? Even in AAA, the guy struck out over 30% of the time. In the major leagues, the guy strikes out over 30% of the time. That's an issue. That doesn't translate well to the major leagues. You cannot be successful unless you are absolutely the best power hitter in baseball. And even then, I would say it's hard to do, but that's the only way you can be successful in this league if you're striking out over 30% of the time. And let's be very clear, Brent Rooker has a lot of power. He is not the best power hitter in this league, not by a long shot. Now, in the minors, he did supplement that with a 14% walk rate, which is very good. But in the majors, he hasn't, he hasn't had the time to translate that. And he did, you know, he's had 70-plus games so far in the major leagues. No pure, consistent tr- playing time. But it's going to be hard for him to find any playing time on any of these teams that he's, that he's going to, including the Padres. Although the Padres do have less depth there than the Minnesota Twins. And, and that just, it, it shows that the Minnesota Twins see themselves having a lot of outfield depth. And that's because they do. I mean, you look at it, Byron Buxton's out in center field. He hit a home run the other night against the Seattle Mariners. That was over 430 feet. I mean, one of the, I believe it's the hardest home run he's ever hit in his career. And if this guy keeps doing what he did in preseason, if he does what he did last year when he was healthy, I mean, he might be the best player, in, one of the best players in baseball. I mean, no doubt about it, right? You got that. You got Alex Kirilov, who, when he was healthy last year, he was a great hitter. And the man has really high quality characteristics, high quality talent from the left side of the plate. And then also you have Max Kepler, who's starting in right field currently. Max Kepler, I got a lot of, a lot of hope on this guy, but he's... Yeah, I'm hoping that he's going to do well. He does have a short leash, I think, personally, after having back-to-back seasons hitting below 230. But if he goes back to what he did three years ago, 2019, 2019 sounds like the magic year for the Minnesota Twins, let's be real. Max Kepler could be a wonderful asset to this team. And that's not including guys like Trevor Larnick, who can play in this league, who is a great, who is a great prospect before being called up and, and exceeding his rookie status last year. Jake Cave, who has played well in this league, who had a good preseason. Kyle Garlick, who put up some good, solid numbers last year. I mean, you've got some guys. Austin Martin had a great preseason. And you know what? He can play in the outfield. Not just a shortstop, but he can play in the outfield. So you've, you're talking about a team that, that really thinks that they have some depth out there. And they didn't think they needed Brent Rooker anymore. Especially with guys like Gilberto Celestino, who's, who's already called up there. Who's going to be the defensive replacement, you know, a potential base runner. A guy to even out the lineup if there's too many left-handed bats in the lineup at some point in time. He's a solid prospect too. So that's that's what you see there. Now, as as terms of uh, grading the trade, I don't love the $6 million going along the way. But considering that three years of control of a 26-year-old pitcher with that much talent, and Emilio Pagan, who, while he's not a great reliever, he can be a very good one. I mean, it's hard It's hard not to look at this trade and say that it's definitely a win for the Twins. And then for the Padres, who have luxury at every single position, adding a definite closing option in the back end of their bullpen, I mean, there's no doubt that they that's a good thing to do. And then, you know, adding an extra guy in their outfield, they're not super thin in the outfield, but they're not as, uh, as sturdy as yards, some other positions, such as uh, the left side of the infield, that kind of thing. So not a bad option for them at all. Now, uh, moving on to the, op- the actual opening day for the Twins, the first Twins game that happened, where Joe Ryan, 
Joe Ryan, a rookie who's only had four or five starts under his belt that he had last year, was the starting pitcher. And let me tell you something. He did a pretty solid job. I was impressed. Now, he was a little erratic, a little wild. Can't blame that on him. I mean, really, that's just some... I mean, opening day pitcher, right? You're an opening day pitcher. You've barely had a cup of tea in the major leagues as a rookie. That's that's incredible. But he looked very solid. His fastball plays up way over that 92 mile an hour that he, 92 miles an hour that he throws it, and uh, and he looked pretty darn good. Despite the first inning, he looked good after that. Correa, nice story to see out of him. He he gets a, a single in his first at bat. Nice sharp single to the right side of the field. You've got. Uh, uh, Sanchez almost hit a walk-off. Urshela, after a rough preseason, he hits a solo home run. That's nice to see him start off the season like that. Um, like I said, Sanchez almost hit a walk-off. I mean, you he hit that one to the fence with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. I mean, it would have been nice to see him add on to a day full of walk-offs with Baez hitting one, a couple others around the league. But... Alas, it was not to be. It was just it was nice seeing the uh a couple of the new faces put up some put up some good numbers, do some good things. But outside of that, wasn't a whole lot of good to see out of the offense on opening day. Uh not a whole lot of guys hitting very well that day. And uh and really, I mean defense was was very good just like it normally is, just like you can expect it to be this year. And the real talk was uh, was definitely the pitching. The bullpen did a nice job coming in after Ryan, who had a solid performance. And uh, and when it comes to the, the bullpen, I mean, there's something that I cannot avoid talking about. And this is something that I wrote about earlier on, on an article that I posted for uh, the Ultimate Sports Network. It's about the one of the most electric pitching prospects that you may ever see in your lives, Joan Duran, the 6'5 behemoth who throws one of the most innovative pitches that you will see, a 96 mile an hour splinker, which is a combination of a splitter and a sinker. The thing moves about two full feet. No, just kidding, obviously not that much, but like something like a foot. And I mean, at 96 miles an hour, it's one of the, you've got to go look up the, uh, the pitch effects, the, the overlays on Twitter. I mean, one of the most insane overlays I've ever seen in my life from any pitcher. And despite coming in, giving up a couple singles, the man shut the door. Two innings, two singles, no walks, four strikeouts. I mean, that is insane. And when you talk about a guy, who has electric stuff. I mean, coming out of a guy who's 6'5", the man hit over 100 miles an hour three times, the thing has late life and run to it, so it explodes out of his hand, late life and run, throws a splinker at 96, which is obviously that splitter-sinker pitch mix, excuse me, which is easily his best pitch. All the players were talking about it afterwards, including Jesse Winker on the Seattle Mariners after he saw it. And even his curveball, which is considered his third pitch, his worst pitch, the thing froze batters. He got a guy looking, Jared Kelenic, looking on that pitch for strike three. I mean, that thing went straight up and boom, straight down at 87 miles an hour. That thing was sharp. So this guy, I mean, three electric pitches. And 
He was a starter before last year. The only reason why I don't think he was he showed up last year at all or that he, he's in the top 100 prospects is because of the fact that he did get injured after only like five innings last year. But the guy, I mean, I know that they're probably going to use him as a reliever. I don't know if people think of him more as a closer. I could see him like that. I'd prefer to see Alcala in that role because Alcala can't be a starter. And Duran has proven in the past that he can be. He can work over 100 innings per season. And I'd like personally to see him throw 100 miles an hour like that in that role. Um, But, I mean, just he's the guy to watch this year. All right? He's the guy to watch. Uh, Moving on to the second Twins game. We saw Sonny Gray for the first time in a Twins jersey. And you know what? Gave up a home run, but outside of that, looked pretty darn good. He looked like normal Sonny Gray. Hopefully the Sonny Gray we get is not the last year Sonny Gray of a 4.19 ERA, but rather the Sonny Gray of the previous season when he pitched with an ER or, or 2019. Once again, magic number, 2019, where I believe he had a below 3 ERA for the Cincinnati Reds, was in the Cy Young voting. Hopefully he can do something like that again. He has the ability for for all that stuff. He's not too old yet. Not much past 32. The guy has incredible mechanics. He's proven he can be durable in the past. Let's Like I said, let's just hope that he can do it this year. The bullpen came in. They did a pretty good job. Uh, we, did, we did see something that really highlights what the Taylor Rogers situation or the post Taylor Rogers bullpen situation may look like, which is a little hectic at the beginning, especially when you look at the closer role. Tyler Duffy looks like he had the first crack at the closer role in this uh, first game where the Twins could possibly win in the later innings, and he blew it, which is uh, sad to see, especially after Tyler Duffy's had a couple really successful seasons for the Minnesota Twins the last couple years after shifting out of a starting role and going into the bullpen. So uh, that's that's a little disappointing to see. Uh, they'll probably give him a couple more shots before they move on to someone else. But it, I, I would expect something of a revolving door, a, a clo- you know, some kind of uh, closer by committee type of, of thing with Alcala and uh, and Duffy to, be, to have the first dibs, first crack at it with some of the more experience and some of the best stuff in this bullpen. But uh, hopefully, this is not an issue that follows us throughout the whole season. And that, that's a big if because bullpen issues have caught a lot of teams in the past, including the Minnesota Twins in, rec- in recent years. But, but the Twins have the, the uh, potential to, to fix that kind of stuff. The offense looked a little bit better in this game. Buxton really turned it on. He hit that uh, absolute nuke of a home run over 430 feet. And uh, Luis Arias, surprisingly, in the bottom of the first inning, he hit a home run. He's one of the last people on this on this very powerful Twins roster that you would expect to hit a home run. Outside of those two guys, though, and a Nick Gordon getting on base before Byron Buxton for that two-run shot, not a whole lot happened. Uh, uh, not, not a great showing from the Twins, especially the middle of the order. Uh, Correa and Polanco were, were batting 3-4 in the order, respectively. They finished the day... 0 for 7 on 8 plate appearances. They had 7 strikeouts and 7 at-bats and 1 walk. That's really bad. Hopefully, there's. I'm saying hopefully a lot this podcast. Hopefully, uh, I'm saying it again. I won't be saying that much more in the future. 
But uh, maybe Carlos Correa and, and uh, Polanco can fix that today. Get on track. We saw Carlos Correa do really well in preseason. Polanco hasn't done so hot. But we've seen him do this before in the past. You know, he's, he's slumped for a little bit. And he'll come out and all of a sudden he'll be, he'll be tearing the league apart for a couple months. And So I think you can expect Polanco to get back on track. Carlos Correa, of course, you can expect him to get back on track. So not too concerned in the long term. It was more just a one-game one kind of thing. It was a little disappointing to see those guys put up those kinds of performances, especially after, uh, or especially with, with the game on the line, especially after losing 2-1 to one yesterday, or the day before, I mean. But we can expect the, more from that, in the, or we can expect more from them in the future. That, that's absolutely reasonable. And hopefully, I say it again, a lot of these guys can can really get it going, and they can coordinate, and all start doing well at the same time. Now, looking at some other things with the Twins, looking at some more of the prospects, some of the affiliates, just give you three prospect names to keep an eye on to start the season. So Cole Sands, in his first start in AAA, went five innings. He had one hit, no walks, and seven strikeouts. The man, this man, he, he didn't do great in the preseason, granted. But this man is, I believe, next on the list. Right behind Josh Winder and John Duran. Like, he's going to follow in those guys' footsteps, depending on what, what ends up happening in the bullpen this year. If somebody needs to get sent down, which is absolutely plausible. If someone gets hurt, excuse me, that's a, probably a guarantee of some kind. Uh, you can expect, I would say, that one of those guys will get called up, and, or, or that Cole Sands will get called up and fill in just like those guys have so far this season. And the guy, I mean, very good stuff, 97 mile an hour fastball, good off-speed pitches, not quite the elite talent that Duran is, and and I wouldn't even say as, as quite as, as strong of a talent as Winder is, but but still a very talented prospect in his own right. Another pitcher who's had a, who had a very good first start was Simeon Woods Richardson. If the name sounds familiar, he was in the package deal with Austin Martin, who was uh, sent from over from the Blue Jays before the trade deadline last year in the Jose Barrios trade. And uh, and despite having a, a poor showing in Double A last year, he's put together a very good first start in Double A this year so far. Won five and two thirds. 059 batting average against in his first start. Had a couple walks. He had five strikeouts. I mean, less than a base runner per inning. Looks good in his first start. I mean, he's a guy who, another guy, you can expect a lot of things out of, potentially even as soon as next season. It's hard to believe that he will leapfrog some of the guys like Cole Sands or even Jordan Belazovic, Blaine Enloe, potentially, uh, Chris Valamont straight to the major leagues, but you never know. it. It's happened before. It's happened before. But uh, he's another guy there who, who had a, a very good uh, opening opening start. Another guy to keep your eye on. And then last one is Chris, Christian Encarnacion Strand. He's a player that they snagged out of a uh, Juco just last year. They're very impressed with this player. Now, if you look at the prospect rankings for the Minnesota Twins, he's ranked 29th currently, and I believe he's 21 years old. He's a right-hander, generally played first base, but he impressed a lot of people at third. 
So you never know. He he might have the the ability to go over and and then play some third base long term. But it sounds like everybody in the preseason was impressed by him. Everybody up and down the Twins organization loved what they saw from this guy. And if the preseason is any indicator, then there's a lot of reasons to love him because you're talking about a guy who in his first game of the season had nine RBIs on two home runs, including one of them being a grand slam. And his next game, he I believe he, he went uh, something like three for four or four for five. I mean, just an insane start of the season for this guy. I mean, he's had you know four or five times as many hits as he's had out so far. He's had a couple home runs. Guy sounds like he smacks the ball all over the place. He's got good plate discipline. It's interesting that he's only ranked 29th. That that shows me that they don't think he's got much more in the tank than what he's what he's at right now. But I don't know. He might he might be one of those guys who proves some people wrong with that kind of stuff. So there's just some prospect names to look at. So, so, so just to cap off some things to look forward to. Uh, we'll we'll see how uh, Bailey Ober goes in his start tonight. I liked seeing him get slotted in in front of Bundy and Archer. I actually like him a lot. Think that he's got a, a contr- command that makes all of his pitches play up, and he's got got a good fastball, especially on a guy under of a six foot seven frame like that. That's, that's pretty incredible out of a guy like that. So hopefully he has a good start, and Buxton can keep rolling, and maybe Correa. Polanco, some of the guys in the middle of the order start to right the ship a little bit. And and we can really get this thing going and get started on a, a really successful Minnesota Twins 2022 season. If you got any comments, make sure to add them in. If you want more content, please subscribe. And I will talk to you next time. Bye.